thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. All right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and in verse 1, the Bible says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to God's church in Corinth and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. I'm going to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God is the source of all comfort. Do you believe that? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that your word is true. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that lives inside us. God, I pray now in Jesus' name that you'd teach us from your word by your spirit. God, I pray that you would help me to say the things that would honor you today and give us ears to hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that this message will come forth and it will teach us the truth about who you are and how you would have us to be. Help our world, God. Bring comfort where there is pain is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God is the God of all comfort. We just came through what was expected by many to be the worst hurricane to hit the state of Florida in over 100 years. If you watch the news at all, they had Armageddon playing out. They had it was over. Uh, one, one guy said, you're going to die. All your kids are going to die if you don't get out. They demanded, they forced evacuations. I have a friend that lives a half mile off the ocean in Atlantic Beach. He said he wasn't leaving. He stayed. They tried to force everybody out of the beaches side. By, they turned their water and their sewer off. So they're like, if you're going to ignore our evacuation warning, good luck with that. He told me I'm the only person on the block. I can go outside. So he stayed, got one branch down in his yard, and lived through it. Thankfully, it did not turn out to be uh, here what it could have been in many other places. Uh, it, it wasn't as bad here. Uh, thank, I thank God everything was fine at my house, and I know it was in many of your homes as well, too. But we live in a country uh, that has so much wealth and so much resources when you compare it to other nations around the world. If, if you don't travel outside of uh, touristy places, you've probably never even seen what a lot of countries look around the world. My kids and I have been to Mexico together in Cozumel and gone scuba diving. And it looks like any place beach you go to in any tourist place in the world. But I've been in the heart of Mexico where people lived in cardboard boxes, not just like boxes on the floor, but stacked cardboard up for walls and put cardboard across the top for roofs and literally made houses out of garbage boxes. We have a lot of wealth in America. Can you say amen? Our poor people, and you've heard me say this many times, our poor people in America would not be considered poor by most standards around the world. Most poor people in America have a lighter, a pack of cigarettes, a fresh lottery ticket in their pocket, and a refrigerator with something in it. 
or at least a couch on somebody's house that they're sleeping in that has food in it. My kids have learned better. They slip up every now and then, but my kids have learned better than to tell me that they're dead, I'm starving. You've never been starving in your life. You don't know what hunger is. But I'm hungry. No, you're bored. You want me to take you somewhere to eat? Or you're not as full as you like to be. But there are people around the world that are starving. There are people around the world that are hungry. And there are people around the world that are hurting. And we sit back in America as Christians, and many times I've heard people say, America is favored by God. Well, I... If we're favored by God, that's different than we've had God's favor on our country. America holds no special place in the heart of God. America holds no special place prophetically in the word of God. And America has no end time prophetic thing that it has to live out that's different from the rest of the world. We are not some unique country that's going to last forever because God can't do without America. Y'all mad at me now? Every country that ever existed in the history of the world, dynasties rose and they fell. And every country has had a very similar history to America. They they have conquered people. They've conquered indigenous people. They've enslaved lower income people. They've ridden it out high and then they crashed. No country in the history of the world has ever lasted for over 200 years under the founding of one governmental document except America. And we barely crossed over that 200 years, so I wouldn't be surprised if next week we wasn't America. That couldn't happen because God wouldn't let that happen to America because people in America pray. People in other countries don't pray. People in Nicaragua don't pray. Governmental overthrow all the time. People in Honduras, are we kidding? Are you think they don't pray? I, I want to propose something to you today as someone who has missionary friends and pastor friends around the world and in poverty-stricken countries. My personal belief, you don't have to agree with me, I'll be right all by myself. I believe Christians in other countries pray way more than we do. I especially believe Christians in third world countries pray way more than we do. If you look at our map over there of places where we're connected with ministry partners, you'll see that we oversee 13 churches in Monrovia, Liberia, West Africa, in a little small village called New Crew Town. It is the most war-torn village in all of Africa. Civil unrest, it, 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 is, it is just poverty beyond belief. And the last four days of every month, 13 pastors locked down in Pastor Prince Kuhn's office. And they spend four days without eating, without drinking, and they just pray for us, this one church. That ought to humble you beyond imagination. When they told me, that Pastor Kuhn writes me, every day I give him Bible studies, and he writes, Daddy Bishop Pastor Scott C. Becker. Okay, that's a lot. We are in praise for you. And God told them that they were supposed to fast and pray 
for me and for our church here in America, the mother church in America, the last four days of every month. So they let me know when they lock down, and they let me know when they come out. Listen, when 13 West African pastors tell me I'm praying for you, I know what they're talking about. A couple of Americans say, hey, pastor, I've been praying for you this week. I know what they're talking about, too. Do you see a difference there, or is it just me? Now, now I'm not saying that Americans don't pray, but I'm just saying we got Advil. We got doctors. Some of y'all got a liquor cabinet. You know, y'all self-medicate. Some of y'all got a liquor drawer. Y'all, y'all hope for legalized self-medication at some point. In countries where all they have is God, they lean on God heavy. But it seems like these countries get devastated by so much natural disaster while America continues to skate and America continues to be okay. And I hear different reasons why. Listen. Our homes are built better. I promise you, if the wind that hit my house in Eagle Landing would have hit those cardboard boxes that I saw in Mexico, it would have knocked them all over and flooded all those people out. If the rain that fell on Eagle Landing would have fell at the bottom of the mountain I was on in Mexico, it would have flooded out that entire village. We have drains we have gutters we have underground sewage we have sloping we have floodplains the roads are built to a certain height to mandate that the flooding rolls in the right direction and doesn't come up into your yard our houses are built with inspections our houses are built with regulations our houses are built our windows are coded one two and three depending on how much wind they're expected to withstand the fact that somebody else's windows got blown out but yours didn't ain't really about God as much as it is about the coding on your window you don't believe God held my house together I believe God is over everything but I think we need to roll rein it back in for a minute and find out what's really happening when tragedy strikes. Because here's what I hear when tragedy strikes. Well, the people of God got together and prayed, and we averted disaster because of the prayers of the people. Well, the prayers of the people in Haiti aren't any good. Is that what we're trying to teach, teach ourselves? The, 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 prayers, the prayers of God's people in, in countries that got struck dead in the face with the hurricane, but God honored our prayers but just totally disregarded their prayers because we're special and they're not? Is that what we're trying to say? The arrogance that that speaks forth, the self-importance that that speaks forth, the taking ownership of why something good happened. Well, my house didn't get hit by the hurricane because I prayed. So who should get the credit for that? Well, if they listen, listen to the structure of the sentence and try to figure out the object of importance. My house survived because I prayed. Who's taking, who's taking all the credit for that? that? That storm turned away from Jacksonville because the people of God spoke to it and cursed it to its root and commanded it to go back out into the ocean. 
listen, listen, don't, no, don't miss my point. If, if, if that's the way it happened, if, if the people of God spoke to that hurricane and made the hurricane go away, who gets credit for the hurricane going away, God or the people? Uh, you're missing it. If this is what I tell you, because the people of God spoke to that hurricane and made it go away, why did it go away? What I said, because the people spoke to it. Well, and the people are taking credit. Listen, I'm, I see this at every level of life. People, you know, Tim Tebow fans everywhere. I like Tim Tebow as a person. I never expected him to be a professional quarterback, and I never, and I don't expect him to ever make Major League Baseball. He's a great guy. I wish everybody loved the Lord as much as him. Uh, he can't throw a football. Um, that lowest passer completion rating in the league his last year there for all you if they just give him a chance, guys. Listen, love Tim Tebow. All right? Pro quarterback is not his thing. All right, but let's get past that. Here's what all the Tim Tebow fans want to believe. Well, Tebow wins because God's on his side. And that's why Tim Tebow team wins. Well, what about the Christians on the other team? God's against them? Is Tebow special Christian? Is he on, is he on pedestal Christian? And so God has to let Tebow's team win, and all the Christians on the other team just have to deal with the fact, well, we don't have Tim Tebow. Oh, well, I sure wish we had Tim Tebow because all we have is God. But, you know, Tim Tebow's team wins because of God. We don't have Tim Tebow. Are you following me? Well, I know that our team is going to win because our team gathers together for prayer, and we rely on God, and our coach is a Christian. Have you talked to the other team's coach? Do you know if the other team's coach is a Christian? Because, honestly, I've met Tebow fans that act like he's the only Christian in the NFL. And I had somebody tell me, well, you, you're not a Tebow fan? I said, I, I love Tim Tebow as a person, but as a quarterback, give me Aaron Rodgers. Well, why would you say that? And Tim Tebow's a Christian. Aaron Rodgers is a Christian too. Well, he doesn't wear Philippians 413 on his eye black. That's right, and he's not breaking any rules by it either because that's against the law to wear that on your eyes. Tell him, I, listen. It is, it is so often the case where people are looking to give credit for something other to where credit is due. The Bible says if you will glory in anything, that it should only be the cross and the God of the cross. Not in our ability. So here's what America has come to. We got to say the right words. We got to believe the right things. We got to say the right magic prayers. I've heard people say already this week, Jacksonville was spared because Jacksonville has a lot of Holy Ghost fire baptized praying people. And we gathered together in the name of the Lord and we cursed that hurricane and demanded it leave. Ain't no good people in North Carolina. Ain't no good people in Flagler County where the roads got washed away and their homes got devastated. They probably were all devil worshipers that hate Jesus and never pray. Is, is that what we've come to as a church it, 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 worldwide? Is, we just believe 
that, you know, everybody that has something good happen to them, it's because we said the right words, we, we cursed it to the ground, we said the magic truth, I declare and I decree, no storm shall come to me. Well, why didn't everybody just stand up and, you know, clap three times, click their heels, jump around, bark like a chicken, and say that? Because nowhere in the Bible does it say that that's how storms go away. If you can pray it away, you don't need God. If you can speak it away, you don't need God. If you can believe it and cause it to happen, you don't need God. Pastor, finally out of debt. Oh, that's awesome. How'd you do it? I faithed my way through it. I declared it until it happened. But did God do anything in there? Nope. Just me. I said the right things. I put my declarations on the, on, the, on, the, on the mirror, and every day I said my confessions, my declarations, and, and I stood in agreement with myself. Okay. This is what is happening in the church. People get sick. Some die. Some don't. People get cancer. Some get healed. Some don't. And here's what I hear people say. And I'm not telling you what I heard. I lost my wife 36 years old to cancer, left me with two small children to raise. And I had people tell me, God won't let Gail die because she loves the Lord. God won't let Gail die because we stand in faith and agreement and we speak life. We stand. We agree. We speak. We Declare, we agree, we decree. That is arrogance and pride and self-absorption. And so when the person lives, it's all glory to the decreers and the speakers and the prayers. She lived because we prayed. Well, ain't you special? Don't you get all the credit? In your mind, you're taking all the credit. And I heard this. Somebody must not have stood in faith strong enough. We must not have prayed hard enough. Maybe we didn't believe the right way. So whether they live, the people get all the credit for saying the right magic words. And if they die, the people take all the blame for not saying the right magic words. Yet we claim to be Christians who trust God for everything. So where is God? In the midst of all this, we spoke the storm away. Jesse Duplantis, when Katrina was coming, said he stood on his back porch, pointed at the wind, and said, I demand you turn left. And he says, and the storm turned left because I would not let it come nigh me. I, 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 me, me, me. Three days later, Bishop Paul Morton came on television having heard that because after the storm turned and Jesse took all the credit for it and said he spoke that storm off his church, Paul Morton got up there and said, and all this time I thought Jesse was my friend because we do ministry in the same city. He knows my church is to the left of his church. It hit my church and knocked it to the ground. And everybody from Pastor Martin's church, Bishop Martin's church, which is five times bigger than Jesse Duplantis' church, had to leave New Orleans and go somewhere else to live. 
because they didn't have a church or a bishop anymore. But Jesse will tell you, that storm turned left because I said so. Now let me just ask you real quick, because some of y'all decreeing folk mad at me already. If you really needed help, would you rather trust your ability to say the right magic words, or would you rather just humbly ask God to do for you what you can't do for yourself? Come on, somebody. This is simple. But it's not the world we live in. The world we live in today, the televised Christianity world we live in today, the radio Christianity we live in today is telling people, speak to your mountain. Listen, which, which mountain? Show me which mountain Jesus ever talked to and the mountain got up and left. Do you understand metaphors? Do you understand figurative speech versus literal speech? Do you understand that there is a, listen, I'm going to help you and I'm going to let you go. A bulk text concept. What is a bulk text concept? Bulk means a lot. If you want to be right in your theology, find something the Bible talks about a lot. Don't find one little piece of a verse and make your whole world's theology based on that. Stay with the big stuff. It's a big book. Two covenants, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, 1,189 chapters, hundreds of thousands of words. And if you want to take one, and listen, you think churches don't do this? One half of one verse says, and they shall take up serpents. And because of that, they're snake handling churches in West Virginia. And, you know, inbreeding and toothless folk, but there's a lot of stuff in West Virginia. But there are churches that believe the true test of your faith is to reach in that box and grab that, that, that poisonous snake. I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell you the way they say in the ghetto, the devil is a lie. I am not putting my hand in no snake box. And half a, a little half a piece of verse, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. Okay, well, these churches, they put snakes in boxes and reach and grab them just because they twisted and bent like to play with snakes. But I ain't never seen none of them break out no Drano. <laughs> All right, here's what I'm going to need you to do. You grab the snake, you drink the Drano. We'll watch. <laughs> Little pieces of Scripture. Command that mountain to be cast into the sea. Well, which mountain in the history of the world did anybody ever really talk to and it just jumped off the ground and went into the ocean? None. How many mountains did Jesus pick up and throw into the ocean? None. Jesus was teaching. Jesus was teaching. Jesus was making a point. But now we've got people walking around saying, I'll speak to my situation. And it will not come. God said to Israel in the Old Testament, that if you follow all of my commandments, because you are my special and unique people, I will not let any of the diseases that have come among these Gentiles come nigh unto you. And we got people looking in the mirror saying, which not running down both barrels, saying, this shall not come nigh unto me. It's already come nigh unto you. It's nigh in your nose. Take. Big things. Don't take a half a verse that you don't even really rightly understand. It's harder for a rich person to go to heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. What size camel? 
How big was the needle? Was it talking about the path on that road that looked like a camel's eye where, where they traveled? Or was it talking about a sewing needle? We don't know. How are we going to get hung up on we don't know? Listen to what we do know. From beginning to end, God said, I give you a choice. Obey me and I'll bless you. Don't obey me and I will chastise you. From beginning to end, we know the Bible says that God loves us and we're supposed to love him. We know the Bible says that God told us to love each other. The repetitive, redundant, bulk text things that you find in the scripture are the things that you would be safe to follow. All orthodox theology is based on bulk text context. You'll find one little thing in the Bible say, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to build a whole denomination on that. I'd like to build a whole denomination. We got a whole denomination still surviving in 2016 that does not play musical instruments in their church. Because they saw four words in the scripture that talked about getting carried away with instruments. And like, instruments of the devil. Take them violins out of church. We ain't having it. No drums. No guitars. What about the parts of the Bible that say, let, 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 uh, praise him on the high-sounding brass. Praise him on the stringed instruments. Pray, pray, uh, praise, him, praise him on the cymbals, it says. Nope, not in our church. Because we saw a piece of the Bible that said we didn't have any instruments in our church. And there's a whole denomination, the Church of Christ. They stand up this thing, Acapulco, every week. That's funny right there. They don't get it. Do not be tricked by faddish theology. Let me tell you, here's what you need to do. You need to love God and you need to love people. You need to get up every day. You need to read your Bible, say your prayers, and make good choices. And you need to not act like you're more powerful than you really are. You need to not act like you know more than you really know because all of us are a work in progress. Can we agree with that? I have seen... So much on social media, prayer groups taking credit for why the storm turned and didn't hit Jacksonville. A group of us stood in faith, and that's why Jacksonville was spared. Could we give any credit to God somewhere in there? Because I don't hear any credit to God somewhere in there. Mm. People have already walked out. You can go too. Hallelujah. Truth's the truth anyhow. See, here's how you know. When you're in a church where somebody's telling you the truth, where somebody gets a little irritable. Because the best preacher outside Jesus in the New Testament, God used him to write half the New Testament, was the Apostle Paul. And you know what he had to tell people? That question he had to ask me, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Listen, if it's the truth, hey, don't be mad at the mailman because your light bill went up. <laughs> mailman, leave this thing. How dare he? Hey, you need to come back and look. Clay Electric, what? You leave this with me? This went up. How ignorant. Be mad at me for telling you the truth. The truth's the truth. And we need to live off truth, not what sounds good. We need to live off truth, not what our favorite radio preacher says. Listen, we need to live off truth, not what we feel like is right. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that you could be wrong about something? 
I've changed so many different things in what I believe about theology over the last 35 years. I finally just thrown my hands up in the air and said, it's, it's just God knows what it is. My, my favorite expression now is, I don't know. Well, pastor, what does this mean? I don't know. Even if I think I know, but I feel argumentative spirit on you like you want to teach me something, I don't know. Would you like me to tell you? No, I'm good being ignorant. And I'm going to need you to be biblical because the Bible says if anybody will be ignorant, let them what? Be ignorant. So I don't need you to help me in that. Why? Because people are so determined to get their point across that they've stopped learning. When you're not learning anymore because you know everything, you don't have need of God or anybody else in your life. You just ought to put on a white robe, sit on a mountain, and wait on death. Hope you make heaven. I'm burdened for the nation of Haiti. I know people in Haiti. I've met people from Haiti. Now, Haiti has lots of issues. Uh, voodoo, I think, being primary. Haiti uh, has more black magic probably per square mile than anywhere in the world. Um, Haiti has a lot of evil spirits, but Haiti also has a lot of Christians. I remember when we were building our dream home over there in Deacon Henry's neighborhood where all the good people live, and we were building that little house. You remember that house? I sold that house to Deacon, Deacon Jimmy, and he sold it and moved out into the country. But building this all-brick house, four-bedroom, two-bath house on a double cul-de-sac, a little pond behind it, and that was awesome. I loved it. We've been living in a trailer for 10 years, saving our money. We've been building our dream house. We were going. Uh, we, we had a $353 a month house payment for 10 years. And I'm going to tell you what, it was the happiest time of my life living in a trailer on a dirt patch with a $300 mortgage. <laughs> we build this dream house, get it built, move in. Haven't met the neighbors yet. They seem kind of standoffish, about 15 of them living in one house next to us, literally, I think it's 12, <laughs> not too many days been living there, had that meeting in the driveway, you know, when you're walking in the driveway and the neighbor's walking in the driveway, now it's time to finally get to know each other, well, uh, Deacon Jim, you, you remember, you, I think you might have fixed it or done something, but between that house and the one to the left as you looked at the street, that whole patch just stayed flooded in between there, there was like six feet of grass in between the driveway, just stayed flooded. So I'm standing on my driveway. He's standing on his driveway. He is speaking in the very difficult to understand thick Haitian accent. But we, I'm getting to know him, and his name was Joseph. And Joseph drove a truck, and Joseph had a lot of family living in his home because his mother had a little bit of money. And in Haiti, he told me that they like to abduct children and blackmail people with money. So when the kids came, they had to move out of Haiti and come to America. They had a bunch of little kids living there, a couple of families living there, mom living there. And so we're talking back and forth. He tells me he does a truck, drives a truck. He asked me, what, what do I do? And I told him, I'm a pastor in a Christian church. He said, you believe in Jesus? I said, yes, sir, with all my heart. 
he walked through this mud that went almost all the way up to his knees with the biggest smile in his life. My brother, my brother, my brother, we love Jesus. And he held me, and tears ran down his face to meet a Christian in America. Because he hadn't been in America for a long time, but he came from Haiti with Christ in his heart. And he loved Jesus at such a high level, just meeting another Christian meant so much to him. And I promise you, there are Christians in Haiti. And I promise you, they were praying that that storm would not bring pain and devastation to Haiti. Just like there are Christians in America, in Florida, in Jacksonville, that prayed that that storm would not bring devastation to Jacksonville. So why are almost a 1,000 people dead in Haiti and four dead in Florida? Are our prayers that much more important? Did we say the right magic words? Were we holding hands when, when we had a praise service? Did we lean our head in our hands just the right way? Did we over-impress God with our speech? Did we declare and decree? That, see, all that is voodoo and magic, special incantations. Simple faith just asks God and leaves the results up to him. Why? Why did a nation less prepared foundationally, their homes not built to the caliber ours are, their roads don't drain to the caliber ours do. They don't have the food resources that we have. If you have any heart in you at all, you claim to be a Christian, you like playing on the internet all the time, come off what you're doing on the internet and look at some images of what's going on in Haiti right now. I made my children look at it. Ooh, neighbor's tree limb fell down and knocked off a panel of their privacy fence. That's hard. No, your whole village wiped out and half the people you know dead. That's hard. This church knows. I know. My family knows. Everybody close to me knows the impact that one person dying had on me, on this church, and on this community. When my wife died at 36 years old, one person I lost. One person my children lost. There are people that lost 5, 10, 20 members in their family in this one day. And they're not even over the last disaster that swept through Haiti. And so I got to scratch my head and think, Lord, people aren't going to want to hear this, but I need to stand up and tell the truth. Because here's what the reality is. Whether you stay here coming and sitting in these chairs at Abundant Life calling me Pastor Scott or not, whether this church continues or whether this church does what 1,500 churches in America do every month and folds up, one day I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for what I have to say. And I care a whole lot more about that meeting than I care about this meeting. So i got to tell the truth. We skate. Haiti gets punished. And people sit back and say, well, that's because we prayed. We had a prayer meeting. We, we, we you know, prayed in tongues. We, we said declarations and decrees. We, 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 we called on God. We interceded. Then you get the extra, the, the higher notch. We called the prayer warriors. You ever met a mercy warrior? 
You ever met anybody who said, I'm a servant warrior? You ever met anybody who said, I'm a teacher warrior? Just prayer warriors. Why? Because somebody told them, you're the extra special people. When you pray, stuff happens. Oh, nothing happens when anybody else prays? Oh, now you're really mad at me? Stay humble. Stay humble. Because you ain't never met a chair-stacking warrior. I'm a parking lot cleaning warrior. But man, you, you run into a real prayer warrior, they're going to let you know. I flow in the gift of prayer warriorship. What chapter did you read that in? Yeah, me neither. I do believe there are certain people that love to pray and connect in prayer and stay praying. But I also believe those people are hidden behind doors. Because God said you, what you pray in secret, God will make happen in the open place. And I don't believe that there was any more praying for America's safety. I don't believe there was any more praying for Jacksonville's safety than there was people praying in Haiti for their safety. I really don't. And I don't want you taking credit for what God does. Pastors like to give testimony. My mother got healed of lupus. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. I have friends who have lost family to lupus. It's a horrible disease. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for your mom. Oh, she couldn't die. We refused it. We cursed that thing to the root, to the ground. We spoke it back to hell from whence it came, and, and we stood in agreement that that disease could not come nigh to her. That type of magic works for you? That incantation chanting works for you? Well, why don't you just run that through the hospitals and, 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 and can't that on everybody? You did all that in your power and it just it magically worked while real Christians are just asking God humbly for him to do something and all this time all we needed you to do is stand up and say, I declare and I decree, get that out away from me. Y'all getting mad now, keep listening. We're going to look at the word. Compare it to the scripture. And see if it makes sense. I'm sad for Haiti. Because Christians died in Haiti. And they are brothers and sisters. I'm sad for Haiti. Because human beings died in Haiti that don't know Jesus. And they did not make heaven their home. I'm sad for Haiti because... I don't know. How many people got killed in that Paris thing? Anybody remember? 49 people got killed in that gay nightclub in Orlando. The whole world up in arms over it. People rushing to Orlando, government talking about it. Everything was hashtagging Orlando, billboards. Everything was hashtagging Orlando. 49 people. Death toll between 500 and 1,000 right now in Haiti. You seen a hashtag Haiti sign anywhere? How are 49 people in Orlando's lives more precious than 800 people's lives in Haiti? Y'all didn't come for this this morning, did you? We got to learn the truth. Would you care to pray ever for the people that are hurting in Haiti? 
Because I promise you, good Christian people, they got together. We need to band together and we need to pray for those hurting in Orlando by this horrible tragedy. 49, 49 mothers lost children. 49 families, hundreds of people affected. Absolutely. 49 people die. It's a tragedy. Hundreds of people are affected. A thousand people die in one day? That's tens of thousands of people been affected. I know what it looks like to look in the eye of a child whose mama died. And you multiply that times a thousand in Haiti right now. And let me, let me just ask you honestly, is there any compassion in America for what's going on for the Haitian people when we're supposed to be one love? Hashtag one love. One love what? One love white people loving white people? One love, well, you know, y'all can get blacklove.com. Well, if I took out whitelove.com right now, I'd be in jail. One love what? Is there compassion for what's going on? Listen to what the Bible says. Because we live in a time where the radio and the TV preachers want you to think, all you have to do is say the right words. And you will rise above all disaster, and it will not come nigh to you, and you can live a life of ease and grease and please, and you will never sneeze. Curse it to the root. Loose here, devil. I rebuke that. And all these other things that have become cliches in the last 30 years. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes this letter. He says he's chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. He says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth and to all of his holy people throughout Greece. This is a letter to Christians. And the cool thing about the Bible is, and I've told you this many times, it's just so awesome that although God, although Paul was writing to a group of people in a specific place 2,000 years ago about problems they were having then, God was superimposing inspiration on him to where even though it was truth for them then it's truth for us now he was speaking to their situation then but making it still relevant to us throughout the age in verse 2 he says may God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace I told you before and I'm be teachy right now we, we talk a lot about inference there's not enough words in the Bible for you to hear everything you got to be able to understand what's inferred if I tell you you know if you don't sit up straight right now you, you, you inferred something from my speech. You got to learn how to infer stuff. Paul said, may God give you grace and peace. Well, if he's asking that for God to may give you grace or peace, what, what's that inferred? That God what? God may not. So there are some people that God's going to give grace and peace to, and there's some people that God's not going to give grace and peace to. And we got to decide, will this grace and peace come to us by I declare and I decree God's grace, you better come to me. I speak God's grace on my life right now. I speak favor. I speak anointing. I speak money. Pull the lever. Pull the lever. Pull money cometh now. Pull the lever. What in the world? This is what's on television today. Posing as Christianity. Tell Leroy I said so. That is posing as Christianity. You want to stand up and say all that stuff? Or do you want to ask the one who can give it to you? Because if one of my kids came up to me and said, I declare and I decree you give me $20 right now. (laughs) 
Just one. I declare and I decree you give me two $20 bills right here. Shut up and go clean your room. Dad, I love you. I think you're the greatest dad ever. We've been through some hard times as a family dad, but I'm glad that you're my dad. And I sure wish that I had enough money to buy some things to help my school project get done this week. And all I need is $20. And if you have $20 that I could get from you to be able to make this good grade in school, I would certainly appreciate it. Well, I'm more than happy to give you that $20. All you, you didn't have to go all that buttercup. But you never, I, I speak it now. Give me my money. That ain't the way you talk to the king. But that's how we've got people. And these people think they're more spiritual than everybody else. These people think they got some holy hookup because they're prayer warriors. And they declare and speak things into existence. I'm going to tell you this. Anybody, I put a challenge on you today. I, I got about. 518 dollars in my left pocket if you can speak my black lincoln into any other color in the world and it changed color in front of my eyes i'm gonna give you what i got in my pocket time 10 you speak it you declare it you just i walk out there with you come on now if that stuff worked we wouldn't even be talking about it. We'd just all be doing it. I, I demand you turn into money. If that stuff worked, the people saying this stuff on TV wouldn't open and close every broadcast with. We're in treacherous times now, partners. And without your continued support, we're not going to be able to stay on the air. But we're counting on our faithful partners to sow an extra seed this week. Well, why don't they just declare and decree? Dust into money. Oh, well, Pastor, that that that's just silly, you know. That doesn't work. Yeah, I do. Do you? Listen to what the word says. Paul's asking God to give grace and peace. Verse 3. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. All praise to God, comma. You always got to pause on the punctuation. All praise to God. If you don't understand anything else, you need to get this as a Christian. This is the word of the Lord. All praise is to God. We prayed and the city was spared. Who getting praise for, the, who's getting praise for that? We stood in faith and agreement and we commanded. Who's getting praise for that? All praise is to God. If you prayed for it and it happened, you need to be humble about it. And you need to realize it wasn't your prayers that did it because God's of one mind and the Bible says nobody can turn him. The scripture says he does what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. The fact that you prayed for it and it happened, that's just cool. You didn't bend God's hand. You didn't force God to say, oh, well, I guess Haiti, Haitians will die and not Jacksonville. All praise has got to go to God because he's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is above everything. And listen to who he is. He is our merciful father. 
and the source of all comfort. Okay, so if God, you got to get this, because some of y'all just mad at me because I'm, I'm, I'm messing with your theology. I came into the world to mess with your theology. Stomp out bad, bad religion. If God is really merciful, if he's a merciful father, and if he's the source of all comfort, would you rather me speak some incantation over you and trust that I said the right magic words so that your healing will be enacted? Or if God is really merciful and the source of all comfort, would you rather get your help from God? It just makes sense. But right now what we see going on in America and across the, the, the televised Christian world is people standing in the place of God and saying, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to pray for five special people today because you need a miracle. I believe in prayer. I believe in anointing oil. I believe in transference of spirits. I believe in laying on of hands. I also believe that I can go to God for myself. I, I, hey, I, I believe that if one of y'all wanted to jump me right now, uh, my back's feeling, and even my back wasn't feeling that bad, I'd just say, hey, Deacon West, knock them out. I got somebody that I know can do something for me better than I can do it for myself. Why would I want to try to do it? We've got a God who is our Father, who has everything, and He's merciful. Why wouldn't we just ask Him to do it instead of putting it on our ability to pray and believe? My wife lived because I stood in faith. You have just condemned everybody, whoever had anybody they loved that didn't live. And you've condemned everybody that ever died in the history of the world, no matter what age they died from. How come people don't live to a 1,000? I, I speak life. Well, is the time limit on that? You said they had to live and not die. Eighty years later, they died. What happened? God is in control, and God is the source. And we need to turn to God and not have faith in our ability to say the right words. Verse 4 says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. This current mode of theology that I'm preaching against today says that you shouldn't have trouble. You shouldn't have lack. You should speak against it. You should rise above it. You should declare in faith that it won't come near you. But the Bible says that we have trouble. And trouble has purpose. You want to sit and speak away all your trouble? You're not a Christian. You've fallen into some realm of bad theology that is not apostolic. And the Bible says that our faith, the true faith, is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And the apostles said that God comforted them in their trouble. They didn't say, we speak against our trouble and we curse our trouble. Listen, this is the real magic. You want to know somebody who's really got the touch? You want to know somebody who's listened to a lot of this stuff? Here's some, when they say, I curse it at the root from whence it came. They put all that together. They've been doing this for a minute, y'all. They, they, they're believing in their, in their incantations. I want you to know that trouble comes for a purpose, and it comes so that the merciful Father can comfort you in it. Personally, I'd rather not have any. I'd rather not need any comfort. I'd rather just fly on ease and grease all the time. But that's not the way Christians do. 
and you can curse and declare all you want to, you're going to have trouble in this life. And your choice is going to be whether you stand up, bow your back, and say, I curse you to the root, go back from whence you came, or if you fall on your knees and you cry out to the God of all mercy and all comfort, and you ask God to comfort you in the middle of your trouble the same way he comforted Jesus in the middle of his trouble and comforted the apostles in the middle of their trouble, it says he comforts us in our troubles so because there's a reason that we can comfort others. Well, today's theology, this crowd that I'm talking about, it's crazy. They find people who need comforting. They just start rebuking, binding, loosing, casting, declaring, and decreeing instead of offering comfort. But what the Bible says is that you need to let God bring you comfort. And when God brings you comfort, you need to go find other people that we can comfort. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. This does not say when they are troubled, we will rush to their aid and we will bind and we will loose and we will declare and we will decree and we will speak it and cast it from the root from whence it came and we will send it back to the depths of the fiery hell and the furnace prepared from before time for the devil and his minks and minions. And that's just all foolishness and learned psychoism. Jesus never did that one time. Neither did any apostle. This is foolishness learned off television. When you have people that are going through trouble, man, I can tell you, when I was in the hospital, my wife laying dying next to me, and these well-intending Christians came in there and said, Pastor, I'd just like to speak positive confession over your wife. I need to talk to you in the hospital. You think you got some magic words you're going to say over my wife that she's just going to pop to and everything's going to come perfect, or do you want to say something that's going to, that going to comfort her through comfort that God has given you in your times of difficulty. Because we don't do magic incantations at the Becker house. We trust in the Lord. We don't do magic spells at the Becker house. We, we, we lean on God. Well, that's why your wife died. No. God, God healed my wife and took her to heaven because he had something in mind that I don't understand. See, this is where faith people lose all their faith. They fall apart when the person they're speaking and decreeing for dies. What did we do wrong? I don't understand it. And I get these calls all the time. Pastor, I just don't know what we did wrong. Well, who were you putting the pressure on? Maybe we didn't pray long enough. Who were you putting the pressure on? Who were you looking to come through, God or we? See, we trust in the Lord. And we understand that sometimes his ways are past finding out. And we believe it's okay to say, I don't know. But I still got to get up every day and trust him. He comforts us in all our troubles. We have to have troubles for God to comfort us in them. God wants us to have troubles. Say that. <gasps> but he said God wants us to have loose here. Devil is a lie. That ain't no true. What? This is scripture. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. These things have to come so when they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You went through molestation and God has comforted you and made you a whole person again? You are the perfect person to talk to somebody going through that. 
You, had, you lost a spouse that you loved. You saw somebody die. You were there when somebody you cared about took their last breath. You watched mama pass away and go to heaven. You're the perfect person to talk to somebody who was going through that same type of thing. And that's why when I tell y'all, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. That ought to be a difference maker for you. Because you can't comfort anybody with what you heard. Taught stuff ain't as good as learned stuff. You, you got to learn it through or, or experience stuff. You are designed by God to go through some stuff. Embrace where you are. Embrace what you're going through right now. Stop saying magic spells over what you're going through and start asking God humbly to comfort you. Stop asking, saying magic spells like you got all the power in the world and if you chant the right words, magically some voodoo door is going to open and blessings are going to fall out on you. And realize, hey, God's got a reason for where I'm at. Pastor, I don't understand why God people go through stuff. Are they sinning? I don't know. Everybody sins. I don't know that they're sinning extra. I don't know that they're out sinning you. Why do you think why do you think he got cancer? He probably did something, huh? Did you ever do anything? We go through stuff so God can show us how comforting he is. So when other people that we know go through the same type stuff, we are the agents of change for them. We're the comfort bringers for them. We're the experienced person in that arena to bring comfort to them. Listen, it was so much more comforting to me. You know Frank Townsend, Lisa. I had people in my life like Pastor Frank Townsend when Gail was dying who were able to come and sit with me and just put his arm around me and say, I've been where you're at. I sat there and I watched my wife die. And I hope yours lived. But I love you. And I'm here for you. And I know this is killing you. And he just held me while we cried. He didn't stand in there and declare and decree and speak life and not death and chant some incantation. He'd been what I've been through. And he was able to offer me more comfort than all the rest of those dudes screaming at the devil could have ever offered. Just a little hint. On a side note, the devil ain't deaf. You don't have to scream at him. And you don't need to mix your prayers up between God and the devil. Dear Lord, we love you and we thank you and we just honor you and praise you and we're just so glad for the day. And devil, we buy. You ever notice that? I'm like, all of a sudden you're talking to God, now you're talking to the devil and you just had to go up. It's ridiculous. It's learned behavior. And it's not found in the bulk of Scripture. Stop taking one or two verses and building a theology around it. You're going to go through stuff. Learn to let God comfort you in your stuff. And when you get comforted, you're going to find other people that are going through stuff. And God wants you to give them the same comfort that God gave you. Verse 5 says, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Do you know how real Christians get showers of blessing? They go through hell by the acre. That's the only way it comes. 
The only way that God can shower you with his comfort is when you suffer more. More suffering, more comfort. More suffering, more comfort. Listen, no suffering, no comfort. Who's really being spiritual now? Verse 6, even when we are weighed down with troubles. The apostles are weighed down with troubles? Why didn't they bind and loose? Why didn't they declare and decree? Why didn't they just speak? We're so much holier than them now. We got enlightened revelation. They were raising the dead. What you doing? It's for your comfort and salvation. When we are weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort. When we are weighed down, when really spiritual people go through horrible times, they learn to lean on the Lord. And that's for your comfort so that they can come alongside you when you got your stuff you're going through. This is the word of the Lord. It's for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. It's a cycle of love. Everybody goes through hardship. Spiritual people go through hardship and they humbly lean on the Lord and God comforts them. So when they see other Christian people going through hardship, they can come along and say, man, I know exactly where you're at. Let me tell you, God brought me out and he's going to bring you out too. You ain't got to scream at the devil and bind and loose and cast and declare. You just got to call on the name of the Lord. Verse 7 says, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Now, if I would have started this message by asking, how many people would like to be partakers of God's comfort? Every thinking Christian would be like, I want God's comfort. Anybody catching on yet? How do you get God's comfort? As you share in our sufferings. Well, I bind all suffering. You got no God's comfort. Well, I cast it to the depths of hell from whence it came with the, with, with, with the enemies and minions of the minks. What? You don't have God's comfort. You just got a bunch of mumbo-jumbo in your mouth that you heard somebody in between begging for money on TV teach you. The way you're sharing God's comfort is by going through stuff and leaning on the Lord and getting his comfort. Verse 8 says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Now, if you told this to one of these preachers that's doing all this other stuff, well, you must have had lacking faith. Why did you walk in lack? Why didn't you just rise up in faith and declare and decree? Why didn't you just speak a thing? Why didn't you just call those things to be not as though they are? Why didn't you just speak your deliverance instantaneously and, and rise above it through faith? Because all those things are just cliches that folk made up and took small little pieces of the Bible and, and, and formed bad theology out of them. When we want to have a large bulk text of theology where we know safe theology is that we love God and we love people. And we trust God for everything we don't understand. He says, we think you ought to know about all the trouble we went through. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Hmm. I've been hearing my whole Christian life. Well, God won't put more on you than you can endure. He sure did on them. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We were overwhelmed. Well, the Bible says God won't put more on you than you can take. No, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that 
God will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with every temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That doesn't say he won't put more on you than you can bear. He says every temptation has an exit ramp. That's all it says. The way you bear the temptation is by taking the exit ramp. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God won't put more on you than you can bear. I promise you people in Haiti are going through more than they can bear right now. And they, their only hope is to turn to Jesus. And when you're going through more than you can bear, you can stand there in pride. And, I, and I've had people tell me this. Pastor, all the stuff you've been through, God must know how strong you are. Because he said he wouldn't put more on you can bear. And you've been through more than any man. You must be a strong man. Why are you praising me? Why are you acting as if I'm, I'm special because I'm going through stuff? I can't bear it. I'm not bearing it. It's, 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 it overwhelms me beyond my ability to endure it. And it's been many times I thought I'd never lived through it. You need to rise up in faith. These are the apostles talking. This is the word of the Lord. This is not lacking faith. This is real life. This is the life of a real Christian. God wants to put more on you than you can endure so you will turn to him. All that, Pastor, God must know how strong you are because he said he won't put more on you than you can bear. No, he didn't say that. And you are exalting me by saying I have a high level of ability to endure. I don't. I fall down and cry out to God for help. I don't just stand up and say, I'm strong in the name of Jesus and I can endure all things. I cry out to the God of all comfort and all mercy because I get overwhelmed with the. You get overwhelmed. I need a new preacher, probably. Verse 9 says, in fact, we, ex we expected to die. These are the apostles. They were going through much, so much stuff. They didn't stand up and, and declare and decree. When Peter was hanging upside down, I, I can see it now. This crowd, they're taking Peter to the cross. There's Miss Peter. She's just standing there preaching. Prophetess, Mrs. Peter and her mother, his mother-in-law, who he healed of being sick. They're preaching. Mm -hmm. Trouble don't last always, huh? Ain't the Lord all right? God going to come through for my man. Huh? Ain't nothing going to happen to my man because my man is a man's man. And my man ain't going down today. And my man is about to come up. And my man is ain't he on the Lord's. My man is on the Lord's side. Late in the midnight hour, God going to turn it around. It may look like trouble right now, but Peter about to rise. They may have three nails and a hammer, but Peter about to rise. They hung him upside down, drained his blood, and killed him dead. All the other apostles did the same thing to cut him in half, lit him on fire. Tore them apart with wild beasts. What was all there declaring and decreeing? No, they were just crying out humbly to God. And there were times where they were overwhelmed. And there were times that they were pressed beyond their ability to endure. And there were times that they thought that they were going to die. Verse 10 says we expected to die. But as a result, listen, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God. Who raises the dead. 
as a result, as a result of what? Trouble. As a result of what? Trouble that we couldn't handle. As a result of what? Trouble that was overwhelming us beyond our ability to endure. As a result of what? Trouble that was so hard on us we thought we were going to die. We stood up in faith. We circled around. We gathered hands. We chanted, no weapon. No weapon. No weapon. That's not what they did. Place faith and confidence in God. And he will continue to rescue us. They knew that God alone could rescue them. Verse 10 says, and he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. We have placed our confidence in him. Here's what I want you to get today. Say your prayers. Know that God hears your prayers, but be confident in his mercy, not in your ability to say the right words. Be confident in him, not in your declaration. Be confident in him, not in your incantation. A different translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 says, We were really crushed and overwhelmed, and we feared we would never live through it. Listen to what it says. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. Y'all don't have that? Y'all didn't get that? Listen to what it says. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. That crowd of theologians I'm talking about right now, they would have been telling them, rise up, rise up in faith. Stand your ground. Walk in authority. You're a child of the king. Take dominion. They said we were crushing overwhelmed. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us. Let me get you out of this. If you're in trouble right now, if you ever go through trouble, you can go through all the games you want to go through. Or you can cry out to God who alone can help you. You can rally your faith people and you can stand in a circle and hold hands and you can chant at the devil. Or you can cry out to God who alone can help you. You can stand in faith and you can tell the world, I know that I shall live and not die because I have declared this in Jesus' name. That's the rubber stamp in Jesus' name. It's all magic from there. Or you can cry out to God who alone can help you. I was praying late Thursday night, early Friday morning, and I was so convinced in my mind that God wanted me to not worry. Not because God told me supernaturally not to worry. I read that in the Bible. I know God don't want me to worry. It's in black and white ink. That I went and I put this on my Facebook at 126, late Thursday night, early Friday morning. I said, I believe this hurricane will weaken and go back out to sea. God created this world and everything in it, and he is in charge of everything. And then I put some verses from our book of the month, Mark, chapter 4, verse 39. It says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? 
Do you still have no faith? Disciples absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. And then I close my post by saying, there is nothing forcing Jesus to calm this hurricane, but I believe he will. No fear, just faith. Whatever my lot, he has taught me to say it is well with my soul. I could have reworded some of those things, and I could have said, the Holy Ghost came to me and said that this wind will not come nigh unto my house, and I've cursed it into the ground. Never lost power. Never went out and bought a bottle of water. Never went out and bought a battery. Didn't go buy a candle or a lighter. You say, well, Pastor, that's just bad planning. Maybe. I lived here a long time. I'm 37 miles away from the ocean. I felt pretty good, you know. It had to get to Elder Robin before it got to me, so I'm straight. <laughs> that storm didn't not hit my house because of a post I put on Facebook or even a prayer that I prayed to God because I know there were people praying in Haiti that God would spare them, but he didn't. So do we say that our prayers are better than theirs? Do we say that God loves America more? That's all so wrong. Do we say that because we are an enlightened society, and we're more educated and we have more technology and a deeper understanding of truth that we were able to pray properly while they prayed foolishly. That's just all arrogant. They're God's children just like we are. So the right question now from you to me would be, well, then, Pastor, why? Why? Why did they suffer so much death and we didn't? Take you back to where I started. I don't know. But I'm sad for them. Because somebody lost a mom. Somebody lost a spouse. And it doesn't seem like anybody cares. And we need to be different than that. See, we don't have any recurring example in the Bible of apostles or Jesus bossing around stuff. Yeah, Jesus spoke to the wind in that, in that one passage. Now we've got people just making that their whole theological lean. When there's a hundred times more scripture that tells us to love God, to love each other, to live holy. Make sure you're doing the big things. Make sure you're loving God. Make sure you're loving people. We need to love the nation of Haiti. I'm going to be looking into this week how we can help hurting people in Haiti. We still don't have all the money we need to get fire approved in this building, but we got to do something for people who are hurting bigger than us. So here's what I want you to do. If you're here and you're not saved, I want you to know God loves you, and all you have to do is pray to get saved. If you disagree with everything that I've said, and you think I'm as wrong as I can be, you just go home and stare in the mirror, and you speak declarations for me. Declare that God will build, build up my genius to where I can get to where you are. But for everybody else, let's do this. Let's agree that none of us know everything. And I don't know why Jacksonville was spared, but Haiti wasn't. But it's heartbreaking. I don't know why my neighborhood kept power and other people's neighborhood didn't keep power. But I'm not for one minute 
going to be arrogant and say, because I'm the anointed man of God. And they couldn't take my power. This is how crazy people think. I have death threat letters in my credenza over 15 years in the history of this church. People wanting to kill me because in, in their mind, I love black people too much. And I shouldn't be intermingling races in North Florida as a pastor. And I had one of these crazy people, the letter in my credenza said, I know I can't get to you because God's anointed you and he'll protect you, but I can kill your children. The wind didn't stay out of Eagle Landing because I got some special magic dust on me. Jacksonville wasn't protected because Christian prayed some special magic dust on them. That's how crazy people who, who write death threat letters to people. You know how crazy you got to be to put that in ink, put a stamp on it, and send it regular mail? I got to, that, 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 that thing has been copied and documented with, with, with the local authorities. Me and my kids come up missing. She'd be the first place they look. But in her mind, I got some kind of magic dust on me that's keeping me from being killable. And there's no truth to that. And there's no truth to Jacksonville having some magic dust on it because some people prayed, so God spared Jacksonville. God spared Jacksonville, and for that I'm grateful. No one in my family died in this hurricane, and for that I'm grateful. But he wasn't mad at Haiti and happy with Jacksonville. That's not how God works. And we need to be better than that. We need to have better theology than that. And we need to love people more than that. And if we're going to hashtag Orlando, we better hashtag Haiti too. If we're going to hashtag Paris, we better hashtag Africa too. Because God loves everybody. Church is too busy picking and choosing who they think special and who's not. And the real answer is we don't know why some people have such disaster and others don't. We just need to be humble and we need to be thankful. We need to be compassionate. As I'm asking you today as your pastor to be compassionate on the people of Haiti. Because what has happened there is horrible. And it's not the first time. And it's not God's judgment on them because they're sinful. Because there's no nation more sinful than America. We lead the world in abortion. We lead the world in violent murder. We lead the world in every measurable category you could imagine. God's not judging Haiti and skating America. Then why, Pastor? Well, I don't know. And I'm humble enough to tell you I don't know, but I'm hurt about it. And I hope sometime... This week, you'll pray for the people of Haiti. You may be hurting now. You may be without a job. You may be hurting financially. You may be hurting in your body. But I hope you have a roof over your head. I hope you have food in your stomach. If you don't, we have a food and clothing ministry for you. We have ways we can get you help. We're not just here so you can listen to me lecture. We're here to make a difference in the world. And we've got to start making a difference in each other's lives. And we've got to come down from this arrogance that says God saved America when he didn't save other places and act like we know why because we don't. Let's be thankful, let's be humble, and let's be compassionate.
I hope you go out and do something good this week. Fortunately, I don't need your help. I got four leaves down in my backyard. I told the deacons this morning, I'll pick them up myself. They don't need to come over. Uh, that's a joke. No deacon has ever picked up anything in my backyard without getting paid for it. But there are people who could use your help. Some of you can make a meal. Some of you can work a rake. Some of you can cut grass. Some of you can just pray. We need to start helping our neighbors. We need to start helping our world. And our world has got a lot of hurt in it right now. Not just nationally, not just with this jammed up, weird, crazy election. A lot of people hurting across the world. What should we think from that? We should be thankful for everything that we have. We should be thankful for all that God has blessed us with. And we should be humbled by it because we don't deserve any of it. We didn't earn any of it. God didn't give it to us because we're special. People joke around, I'm God's favorite. That's why I'm so blessed. God loves the people in Haiti just as much as he loves us. I hope you believe that. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for a group of people that would sit and listen to this message. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us compassion for people who are hurting. Give us compassion, God. Even when we don't understand why things happen the way they do, God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would teach us to have faith in you. Not faith in ourselves. Not faith in our ability to have faith, but to truly have faith in you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your son. Thank you for teaching us about you in your word. God, I pray, Lord, for the people in Haiti, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, who've been impacted by this hurricane. God, I pray that you would show yourself the God of all comfort. Lord, I pray you use your people to do it. Help us to be willing to give a cup of water. Help us be willing to lend a hand. Help us to be willing to go the extra mile. Help us be willing to serve your world and the people that you've put here. Thank you, God, for all the good things that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for sparing us. I don't know why you did it, but I thank you for it. I don't believe I deserve it, God, but I thank you for it. And I ask you, God, to help me be compassionate. Help us to be kind, tenderhearted, loving, forgiving, merciful. And help us to work hard to declare your love to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org. Until next time, we pray that you will live abundantly.